When Ashley Stanton realised she had spent more than $1,700 on new clothes and accessories in 12 months, she knew something had to change. So she set herself a challenge to go cold turkey. Well, kind of. Ashley decided that during 2020, she would buy second-hand clothing only. This is her story. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Hello, my name is Ashley Stanton and I'm a shopaholic. Hello, Ashley. It's great that you're here. And as we all know, awareness is the first step towards change. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for being here. And thanks for being prepared to share your story with us. You've written a great article in the Signs of the Times magazine, the the September issue entitled The Best Fit about your, your, uh, what you've called Ashley's Nothing New 2020 challenge. So yeah, thanks for being here to talk about it and for writing about it too. But I guess I have to kick off by asking Ashley, I mean, you work, you work hard, you earn your own money, you (laughs) then decide how you're going to spend it. Some people might think, you know, 1700 bucks over a whole year for a, you know, a a fashion conscious young woman such as yourself, you know, why should that be a a big deal? What's the problem? (gasps) Well, at first I didn't see the problem either for exactly the same reasons that you just said. Mm -hmm. And I suppose depending on who you talk to and depending on what people are buying, they might say, well, if your average dress costs a hundred dollars, she just got 17 new dresses or the equivalent, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem actually came in, in that the items I were was buying were a lot cheaper than $100 a pop. And there were a lot more items that I was buying purely just because they were so cheap, so accessible, and I was going shopping pretty much every weekend. Okay, so so why did this worry you? Was it the amount of money that worried you or another aspect of what was going on? I mean, I wasn't thrilled at the amount of money that it was taking, but as I as I mentioned, I am a shopaholic and I actually really enjoy it and I would consider shopping one of my hobbies. And so, I was like, well, every hobby costs money. Mm-hmm. This is my hobby. This is costing money. And so, it wasn't necessarily the money element. It was actually to do with where are my clothes sourced? What is the impact that these right. clothing habits are having, not just on me, but on mm-hmm the greater picture on the world. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you you were in your like working life, you work for a Christian aid agency, the yes. Adventist Development and Relief Agency. Is there an element of that sort of faith-based perspective that sort of fed into this? Yeah. So, a lot of it did definitely come from my desire to be conscious about the people who were making my clothes. So, mm-hmm. I first came on my conscious ethical fashion journey, if you will, through looking into who am I affecting Mm -hmm. by purchasing these clothes. And that's when I I started using resources like the Baptist World Aid Ethical Fashion Guide to Mm -hmm. sort of 
guide my fashion choices like who's got a really good rating in terms of who's treating their work as well yeah who doesn't yep and that's where it started and for a couple of years i was satisfied with that i was like that's my job done i am now shopping ethically go me yep but then this delightful topic of the environment started to creep in Ah, okay So, then I started looking at, okay, well, maybe the workers are being treated well, Mm -hmm. but what impact is the environment going through Mm -hmm. right now for me to have this cute new crop tea Mm -hmm. or something? So, I started looking into, well, where am I purchasing from? And a lot of those places were what we would call fast fashion outlets. Yeah, yeah, you you used this phrase in your article and and I wasn't quite sure what what it meant. So, (laughs) I actually went and did a little bit of research to, 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 to try to figure it out. But So, explain to us, what do we mean by the expression fast fashion? Fast fashion is essentially, how to even describe it? So, your grandparents, my grandparents, Mm -hmm. back in the day, they might have had two seasons of clothing. They might have had their summer, their winter. Mm -hmm. They are for very obvious reasons. It's hot. You want clothes that are not as heavy and nice and cool. It's cold. I need a rug up a bit. And, of course, fashion has existed for decades. Mm -hmm. So, people would go through little trends, but they were maybe two seasons, maybe four seasons at the Mm. most. Or or maybe they were like half a century or, you know, this is the way people dressed in the early 1700s in France. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like people, a lot of people were still making their own clothes or Mm. if they weren't making their own clothes, they had a friend or a relative that was making their clothes. And so, not a lot of this was mass produced and people were just buying to wear and like everything had a purpose it was Mm -hmm. for the sake of well i need clothes what's going to suit that okay they went for quality they went for things that lasted a long period of time Yep. And, and look, I, I guess for me, like being a man and a bit clueless sometimes, <laughs> my, my wife had to point out to me things like, why are you wearing your light colored pants in winter? Like those really should be for summer. Uh, like you yes. should have your, your darker clothes in winter. I was like, really? Okay. All right. So stuff like that. So I sort of got this winter summer thing kind of sorted out. Mm. Then I guess I noticed that fashion houses and like, you know, boutiques have a spring season, an autumn season. So then it's four seasons a year, like, you know, spring, summer, autumn, winter. But it seems fast fashion's taken it to a completely a new level. level. Yeah. Mm. So h- h- how does that work? H- how many seasons are there in, in fast fashion? Uh, look, you could say there are 52. <laughs> you could, 52. Some, some places will literally churn out new clothing every single week. Wow. I know because I was shopping basically every single week and mm-hmm. I would go into some of my favorite retailers and I won't name and shame, but I was mm-hmm. going into some of the larger fashion places Mm -hmm. and I would go in there and there was constantly new product, constantly new items and part of that was really exciting. It was like, oh, what am I going to find this week? Mm, Which brings you back next week, of course. Of course. And it also just creates this whole mentality of I'm never up to date with fashion. I need to constantly be updating Mm -hmm. my wardrobe. I need to be keeping up with the latest trends. Are you also like on the street looking at what other people are wearing and thinking, oh, wow, wonder where she got that top, you know? A lot of it for people my age especially would be Instagram. You're on Uh Instagram and you're seeing, what is everyone wearing? Oh, that's really cute. And you get influenced by what you're seeing and constantly trying to go out and mimic that style or mimic that look. I'll be the first to put it out there and say my fashion's not very original. I look at what I like and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to mimic that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, aren't we all doing that? Mm -hmm. But when you're seeing 
the thing that you're mimicking changing every week? It's like this constant scramble to try Mm. and keep up with this changing thing. And, of course, manufacturers saw this and they were like, there is a demand. People are hungry for new content, new Mm, product. New look. So, they started producing well, actually, you could actually say it was probably them who started to yeah. produce this trend, and then people bought into it, and mm. they were like, oh, I need to catch up. Oh, they're releasing new stuff. Oh, I want this. Oh, I want that. Mm-hmm. And it just snowballed from there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, in terms of the quality of the product that you're getting through fast fashion, I mean, how many like months or years worth of wares are you getting out of these? I actually have yet to see any of those garments through to the end of their life, okay. whether that be because I got rid of them or because I just don't wear them anymore. Oh, okay. So, I haven't actually so do, had... So, do they ever actually get washed? Do they go through the washing machine? Yeah, they go through the washing machine, but I suppose it would be one of those things where, you know, it's more flimsy or mm. maybe just a cheaper material. Right. Or, this is what I've heard, that when it comes to fast fashion, the quality is often quite low. Oh, so low. Um, so, you, you will wash it a couple of times and, like, the colour's just not there or it's suddenly it's a bit sort of shapeless and baggy. It's lost its stretch and vim and vigour and it's like, well, pff, it's pretty much disposable clothing in, in some ways, it seems. Essentially, I know some people who know me well will know I enjoy a good session of exercise and even just in the activewear mm. industry, some people who are just churning out new styles, new designs, new prints. I have some tights that I bought brand new last winter and I was so excited for them. Mm-hmm. They were so beautiful and I loved them. I wore them all the time. They have now more or less lost their elasticity. Mm-hmm. So, I'm constantly pulling on them, trying to get them to stay in place, but they also didn't really set me back much money and they were mm. quite cheaply produced. Whereas, if I had have invested more money into some different, more expensive tights, which I have done this year, mm-hmm. the quality is just... Yeah. You'll expect them to last more than 12 months without going oh, all 100%. baggy around the knees and around the waist or whatever. Yeah. I haven't had them for years, but yeah. I've spoken to other people who have purchased wow. these brands for, yeah. and they're like, oh yeah, I'm still wearing mine five years on in there. Okay. Doing well. All right. So you, you talked about the environmental impact and the impact in terms of like labor conditions for people who make these garments. I, I read something like just recently that just blew my mind. Let, mm. l- let me read. It's from a, a book from a John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elim- Elimination of Hurry. He says this, one in six people in the world work in the garment industry. Wow. That's just south of 1.5 billion people, he says. And approximately 80% of those people are women. Mm. So there's a sort of a feminist angle to that. And fewer than 2% of them make a living wage. Yeah. So when I read that, I was like, this is not a fringe issue. No, it's not. Like one out of six people in the world work in the garment industry. Did you know that? I didn't know that particular statistic. That's a lot bigger than I possibly could have guessed. I would have mm-hmm. guessed it was quite large and I also would have guessed that majority of them are not in the developed in developed countries. That's right, yeah. But yeah, that's wild. Wow. That's a lot. And when he says that only that fewer than two percent of, of these workers make a living wage, I mean you know, working in the NGO sector, is this a phrase you're familiar with, living wage? Like what, what does that mean? Yeah, um, for every country there's a different what they would call like a poverty line or the living wage, but Mm -hmm. it's essentially are you earning enough to realistically be feeding yourself, clothing yourself, housing yourself, all of that. And even some people will argue that there should be a little extra so you have 
enough to, for medical attention if and when sure. needed and all or that sort of stuff. Or to buy some clothes. Oh, yeah, to head on down to the shops and buy clothes. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, and so if you're not earning a living wage, it's not even saying, I'm greedy, I want more. It's literally saying, mm-hmm. I am not earning enough to even get myself through life mm-hmm. in meeting every need that I have. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I guess the argument is if you don't, like if you do your research, you mm-hmm. use, you know, as you pointed out, you know, the Baptist World AIDS Ethical Fashion Guide, for example, you can then make choices on which companies you support, which companies you, you don't. Are you then, though, going to disadvantage some of those most like workers who are most vulnerable already, those who are, are actually producing this fast fashion? Yeah, this is a huge topic of debate in the industry because some people will argue, I mean, they may not be earning a living wage, but at least they're earning a wage. And if you start boycotting, Mm -hmm. then you're contributing to that problem. And there's a huge dialogue and a huge discussion Mm -hmm. around it, which is why um, if you look into the Baptist World Aid Ethical Fashion Guide, they will not actually encourage you to boycott. They will encourage you to advocate, to write to those people and say, Uh, I love your brand. I love the things that you make. However, I'm really not happy with Mm -hmm. this. I really want to see change here. And when you have, they produce this stuff at the price that they produce it, at the rate that they produce it because of their customers, because of the demand. Because of demand, yeah. So, if the demand starts shifting, if the consumers start saying, actually, no, we demand higher of you, we Mm. demand that you be ethically responsible and that you're accountable to everything, that's when the conversation starts to shift. I mean, when you go into a supermarket now, you go past the eggs, you know, what percentage of those eggs are now free range as opposed to cage eggs? That's right. But that has been a shift. (laughs) That has been a shift. That's what I'm saying. So, if you, if consumers demand something and there's, I guess, clear labeling and, you know, clear information for consumers, purchasing patterns can and will actually shift. Yeah. Do, Do you think we could see the same thing with fashion if consumers were better informed i mean we, we actually asked in in this month's magazine we asked our readers to give us some feedback on the question should you know mandatory ethical labeling you know be there for clothes to help customers you know make their choices mm. what what do you reckon would, would that help again this is i so wish that this was a black and white issue but there is <laughs> so much gray so yeah. you, would, you would look at that and say well most people if they saw what was happening to mm. the clothes they would demand better or they would choose the more ethical Mm -hmm. choice. But then you also look at some families who are struggling, some people who have lost their jobs. They don't have the luxury of choosing the brands that are more expensive but more ethical. Mm -hmm. But then... Or more quality that will actually last longer. That will be cheaper in the end. Yeah, Yeah. so it's a huge... It's The whole sector needs an overhaul Mm. and it's sadly not as as simple as we would hope it would be. Mm. But I definitely think that there are things that we can do and places that we can start. And if we all start to use our voice, mm. things will start to change. And even if that change was as simple as not having a 52-week yeah. fashion cycle. Yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, you, you decided to pretty much avoid this whole sort of issue by going second hand like shopping second hand and like here we are what we've we've got through january uh, into uh, through august now we're here in september so tell me honestly confession time how has ashley's nothing new 2020 (laughs) challenge gone so far it has actually gone 
surprisingly well. And I am sad to say a lot of that is actually due to COVID. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're not going out and you're not seeing people, you don't feel that pressure to be constantly wearing something mm, new or to be updating your wardrobe. there's still Instagram and there's still Shopo <laughs> and there's, you know. There are still all of those factors. So, very much at the beginning, especially in January, I actually made a public post about this so that I could be held accountable mm-hmm. because in my head, I sort of was like, oh, it would be cool if I did that for 2020. But I knew right. if I don't actually put that out there, no one's going to hold me accountable and I'll just, oh, but I really like that pair of jeans and I'll just go by. Right. So, so you did a bit of millennial Instagram oversharing. Huh? I did, of course. <laughs> if you're doing something, is it really happening if social media doesn't <laughs> hold about right. it? <laughs> so, yeah. If definitely. a tree falls in a forest, but it's not on Instagram. Did it really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that whole, that whole thing. So, yep. started with that. January and February were a bit wild. I definitely still had it's. It was a literal addiction. I mean, I haven't looked at what an addiction is. So, mm. some people with actual addictions. It felt like, like, it felt like, it an, felt addi- like an addiction that I would just have this urge, this desire to go shopping. And I didn't stop that urge. I didn't stop that desire. I just redirected it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So to I secondhand, yeah. Yeah, to secondhand. So I was like hitting up all the op shops. I was spending a lot of time on the Facebook marketplace trawling mm-hmm. through people's secondhand goods to try and buy it. It almost became a bit of a game to me. Like, mm-hmm. what good things can I get? What awesome things can I take home? Like, searching through all the things on the racks of thrift shops. And you have to understand this isn't a new process for me. I have been in the habit of shopping in op shops and going to markets. Previously, it's just that it had never been my sole source mm-hmm. of fashion. And so, there was a part of that challenge that really excited me and really engaged me. Yeah, yeah. But then it just got out of hand to where I was just searching for something for the sake of searching and what good bargain can I get today? And right. I realized that and was like, oh, we need to rein it in. The addiction was not really dealt with. You, no, you just redirected it. Was it was just redirected. <laughs> So, so what, what, what did you do then, like, to, to deal with that, this aspect of addiction that you felt you were struggling with? Like, did you just continue to party up with the, with the secondhand purchases or, or did you actually have to put some more strategies into place to sort of rein things in? Yeah. So this is sort of about the time when COVID happened. Right. So that stopped going to physical op shops, but then the Facebook marketplace was still there. Mm. I actually put a limit on my phone. I had an app limit on my phone, so I could only spend 10 minutes on Facebook a day. Whoa. Yeah. It was it was not good. I was still very much actively looking wow. for stuff. That's like, so- cut off my leg, Facebook. <laughs> Hard decision. <laughs> yeah, so I put put that sort of limit on myself and, I don't know, I'd come home to my husband and be like, I did a bad thing today. And he'd be like, what did you buy? <laughs> that's, but that's what my wife says. She says, I did a bad thing today. And my reply is always, how much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was a very similar situation. But yeah, I think putting in those restrictions and then obviously being restricted from physically going out mm-hmm. and um, shopping helped to sort of tone that down. And then when I felt my internal demand for new and latest and everything was sort of soothed because no one was going out. Mm-hmm. It was... So, yeah. it, so, it sort of helped. Okay. All right. So, I mean, are you going to make it? Are you going to make it to the end of the year? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it would depend on who you ask. I have technically bought two new... <gasps> <gasps> 
scandal. I bet you didn't Instagram that. I did, actually. Oh, you did. Oh, very I honest did. of you. Very transparent. <laughs> they were both shoes, mm-hmm. and they were actually well, both... A, a left one and a right one, so that, that's really only one purchase. <laughs> no, two pairs of shoes. Oh, so you bought four things then. Well, if you look at it that way, I mean, if we're taking the shoelaces, then there were six or eight things, you know. Oh, okay. No, it was because I've actually had some issues with a, a dodgy knee, some getting some right. knee pain, and because I am quite active, investing in good, proper shoes was really important okay. to me. Medical exception. <laughs> all right, all right. So, I, I did actually post about that and yep. said, you know, full disclosure, I've just bought a new pair of running shoes, but I was totally at peace with that decision. Mm. And, and did you look into the ethics of which shoes to buy at that point? Oh, my goodness, I didn't. <gasps> <laughs> There we go. Look, um, you know what, Ashley? No one's perfect. I know. But, Look, but it's my trying. imperfect journey. But, but you're trying. And that that's that's what's awesome about this. The fact that, that you're giving it a red hot go, like yeah. having a, a real good crack at it. I, look, I'm, I'm really impressed. I'm wondering, I have to admit, I'm thinking, well, here we are, end of the year, you know, approaching. What about Christmas? Is oh. it, Does this secondhand only thing apply to uh, like Christmas shopping gifts for other people or, or just for yourself? Yeah, so I said that it would just apply to myself, mm-hmm. mainly just because just because I have decided I will put myself through or subject myself. I don't even view it as a negative, but just because mm. I have decided that I will purchase mm. things secondhand doesn't necessarily mean I want to be pushing that onto other people. I will definitely encourage people to do that. Mm. But also in terms of gifts, I'm also sort of getting to a stage where I'm appreciating experiences for Mm. gifts as opposed to a physical thing. It's like, let's go horse riding or let's do this or let's do that. And that isn't necessarily the purchase of goods. It's the purchase of an experience. And it's also, it's quality time because often you share that with the person. And yeah, the other thing is something handmade. Yes. Like, you know, spend some time actually getting a bit crafty and, you know, put something together, you know, woodwork or um, I don't know, you know, what what you're into or what our listeners are into. But I think it's really nice to have someone actually spend that time and effort on you rather than just pull out the wallet and, you know, tap that card. There you go. Well, because not as much thought has gone into that. I mean, I've definitely given people gift cards as (coughs) presents in the past, and I will definitely do it into the future. Let's be real. So there's no shame there. But I, but you know, it never happens. I mean, you you give a free massage to your husband, you know, and then comes what about April or something? You're upset with him or something, and then he pulls out the free massage card. It doesn't get him very far, does it? Those, yeah. th- those things never work. Let's let's face it. <laughs> but it's a nice gesture. No, it, it's good. It's good that you're thinking about it. So, um, will you get to the end of 2020 and say that's it, done? Ashley's nothing new 2020 challenge all over. <laughs> now I can, you know, head back to Westfield shopping town and uh, and spend it up. Or or do you think this is going to have a, a longer term impact? On, I definitely on your spending think it has been a very useful process just for me to see how possible it is. Mm. Sometimes it definitely means being patient. It means, okay, so I'm searching for a particular item right now and it's not Mm. available. Mm -hmm. I can't seem to find it anywhere in my size. For example, I recently just purchased a pair of jeans and it was quite a mission to actually have the patience to wait for them to become available. And then when I found them, 
just pursuing it hard with the person that was selling them to just be like, mm. I am very interested. Please sell these to me because if you don't, I've got nothing. Like, <laughs> this is an issue with, with op shopping though, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I was going to be disparaging to you on, on behalf of all the women who say nothing fits me. And, <laughs> you know, this young girl, you know, so slender, you know, she can probably put anything on. She's a human coat hanger, but. It has even been a struggle for you to find things that fit sometimes. I definitely believe that there are some items of clothing that are easier to find secondhand than others. Yeah, for and example, some sizes. Some sizes as well. Mm. I love the op shops that sort their clothing by size. Mm-hmm. They are my favourite. Some people sort by colour. So you'll go, like, you know, wow. all your black items are here, all your orange items, pink, blue, whatever. But then you have to go through every item to try and find your size. If they've even got your size. Yeah, yeah. but the ones that sort all of their products by size are so good because you just go in and you're like, okay, this is the small section I'm dealing with, or maybe mm-hmm. this is the large section I'm dealing yep, with. Yep. Um, but you know, once you've been through <coughs> your section, I'm mm. done. I've seen it all. Wow. Yeah. Hey, what, what have been some of the best finds that you've um, like come across in, in the op shopping? Ooh, in Op shopping. Yeah. One of my favorite things was actually a dress that I bought. It's a summer dress mm-hmm. by the brand Cookai. I don't know if any of you ladies know that, but uh, it's it's not the cheapest brand to mm-hmm. buy brand new. Mm-hmm. But I was able to afford it because I found it secondhand, which is exciting. Nice. A lot of my shopping has been through the Facebook marketplace, of course, mm-hmm. because COVID came in and all op shops shut. Right. So yeah, also found some good deals on there. I actually bought a couple of pairs of exercise tights, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Spent more than you would expect for a secondhand pair of tights, but it was because they're very good quality and they'll last. And mm-hmm. I, I saw paying for that as an investment, mm-hmm. if you will. This is something that's going to last, that's yeah. going to go the distance. Yeah. And again, some people would look at that and say, that's a privilege. I don't yeah. have the money to spend on something expensive mm-hmm. that will last. And I'm not denying that fact, and that's a whole mm-hmm. other yeah, issue to yeah. contend with. But <laughs> for now, I am in a position where I can buy things for their longevity, and it's serving me well. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was interesting to hear you talk about, you know, that that you had to be patient to, <laughs> to, to, to sort of wait. So what what has this done f- for you, like personally? What have you learned about yourself in in this process? Not even just fast fashion, our whole world has made all of our patience dwindle Mm -hmm. because even if you think of the internet, like coming from (laughs) dial-up to broadband and Wi-Fi and all where we are Mm, today. I know. It's like, come on, download already. Yeah, if my web page doesn't load in five seconds, I'm so impatient. It's only a 12-gig file. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And and same with fast fashion. Everything is instant. Even now when we buy things, you get express shipping or you can get everything so instantly and so it's definitely taught me to have a bit more of a a backseat and mm-hmm. just to, to calm down, enjoy the search, mm-hmm. looking for the right thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and it won't necessarily be there the first time you look. Wow. No, that's, that, that is fantastic. I, I can see it's been a, a learning and a, and a growing experience for you. I mean, is this whole shopping addiction something you're still going to have to keep an eye on in, in the future or, or have you got a beat? What's, <laughs> what do you reckon? No, it's still there. I was actually just complaining to my husband the other day that I really miss shopping. I really yeah. miss because going to the shops now is just some so pointless for me because <laughs> like, I will go to help him shop, but I mean, it's a very quick trip now because I'm not doing the shopping. But and boys' clothes are boring. Oh, so boring. No, but <laughs> it's it's been good. I Going forward... 
I know that not all of my shopping will be secondhand, mm-hmm. but I think for a lot of it, it will be my first stop. Mm. I'll see if I can find something secondhand. Mm. And it sounds, like you, it sounds like you will sort of consider each purchase a, a little more carefully than perhaps yeah. you might have in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. No, that, that's really fantastic, Ashley. I really appreciate you, you know, sharing your story and, and the challenge that you've taken <laughs> on uh, for yourself this year. Um, all the best with getting over the line yes, uh, at you. the end of, uh, of, of 2020. So, yeah, we did uh, mention the Baptist World Aid Ethical Fashion Guide. If you're interested in getting a hold of that, you need to um, check out your, your app store, you know, your Play Store or whatever phone you're on and find Baptist World Aid's End Poverty app that includes their ethical fashion guide. And something we didn't really get to talk about, Ashley, was the environmental impacts mm. of of fast fashion. And, and I direct people to your article, which is online. Yep. It's called The Best Fit by Ashley Stanton at signsofthetimes.org.au. And that lists a number of issues when it comes to the environmental impact of fast fashion. So, yeah, check that out. You know, begin your, your research there with, with Signs of the Times. And perhaps uh, you, dear listener, will do a little thinking about the way you purchase too, especially as you start thinking about, you know, Christmas gifts. I yeah. can't believe we're even talking about this, but hey, September. Oh, it's coming around when, the corner. Yeah, when you get to the Ember months, you know, you you, you start <laughs> yeah. you start thinking, oh, hey, Christmas. So, um, yeah, and I don't think Santa's going to cancel Christmas this year. No. COVID or no COVID, Christmas will still happen. Santa. No, <laughs> it's, it's all good. Thanks so much, Ashley. Really appreciate your time with us today. And thanks for writing for us uh, in the magazine. Yeah, no worries. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. 